Welcome to the Everyday Hair Colourist. Today, my special guest is Jane Lewis Orr. Now, Jane, I don't quite know what your title is because I know you wear so many hats that you have so many titles. Tell us them all. Well, my official title at um, kind of the Hairdressers Journal and the group is Executive Director. So I look after the kind of all the events um, and magazines that fall under hair, but actually also across hair and beauty because we have part of the professional beauty group. So it's very diverse, but very closely knit in terms of the communities. Um, and then separately, I'm a trustee for the Hair and Beauty Charity. I'm also a trustee for VTCT and I sit on the Hair Council the HBSA, which is the Hair and Beauty Suppliers Association, and also the Fellowship, as we are a sponsor for the Fellowship. Okay, you are busy. <laughs> well, we're all busy in our own way, aren't we? We are indeed. I wanted to first talk to you about HJ, because for me, Hairdressers Journal, when I started out a million years ago, was the magazine that I always used to want to sit and read. Um, everyone looks at it at that time. I think it was, you know, it was the only one on the market, I, I believe, if I understand that correctly. How's, how's Hedges' Journal evolved over the years? How do you think? Well, so we, the magazine launched in 1882, and contrary to popular belief, I wasn't there then. Um, <laughs> but I have been, <laughs> although I'm feeling it today, I've got to be honest. Um, I have been working with the group since 1986. Um, and obviously way before yeah. the internet and the magazine was a weekly. So whatever news you wanted to get in hairdressing, you had to wait for the magazine to come out on a Friday. Yes. Um, you know, the world has completely changed and magazine publishers, content providers have had to adapt and change with it. Um, so obviously now we have huge social and online platforms because, you know, and we... The events, so things like the British Hairdressing Awards or the British Hairdressing Business Awards, we cover live because there's obviously people who can't attend and they're not going to wait until Friday to find out who won Social Stylist of the Year, for no. example. No, um, You know, it's, it's instant. People want to know right there, right then. Um, so we've had to adapt to that. And that's, you know, I think... And you continue to adapt because, you know, the last yes. month has proven that we've had to adapt again. Absolutely. And I think that print media has struggled in some ways hasn't it really against digital but you've been able to still have the luxury version of once a month of a magazine because there is something lovely about opening a magazine and reading through it that is is a very different emotion to going online and looking at something digital and then you've also managed to have a great following digitally as well how do you think hj we're going to call it hj how do you think hj speaks to Hairdressers and colourists up and down the country, working on the high street, the main street, you cover different subjects in there. How do you think you speak to them? I think we try to inform and educate. Um, so sharing information from people that they can relate to, whether it's the kind of award winning big name hairdressers who everybody knows and recognises to actually yeah. salons on the high street who are facing the challenges that the majority of the businesses in this market are facing day in day out and I mean pre-COVID-19 um, and yes. having a mix really so that the people we talk to represent everybody that's reading it um, and you know we continually push to have new people providing content asking new people for ideas and their input um, and I think it's about staying relevant. So understanding your market, we we spend a lot of time having focus groups and asking people online what they want, how they want it, um, what are we doing well, and also what we're not doing well. I think you have to be prepared to listen to what you can do better. We're, to my mind, we're only as good as our last issue. We're only as good as our last event, and we have to continue to challenge ourselves to do better for the industry. 
um, each and every time. Yeah, I think that's so true, though, isn't it? I think it's easy to look at your successes, but then when you look at your real growth, and we've talked about this on this podcast for everybody, really, your real growth is in the critiques that you get that maybe don't feel so good, and that's where you can change and adapt things. Brilliant. You know, I think it's healthy to be your own worst critic, yes. and I am probably more critical of everything we do than anybody, and it's not about being critical that we're not doing a great job. It's about just always trying to improve and better what we do so that it, we are absolutely relevant and on point for the industry you know I'm not a hairdresser but I am so passionate about hairdressing it's it's in your blood and I think once you're in the market you are in the market you are fully submerged um and you know I want hairdressers and the profession to be recognized as a great career choice as somewhere to work that you're proud of and you know as a profession that you are proud to say it's what you do and that's what hairdressers should stand up and and be saying absolutely and it is a great career isn't it I think one of the things that you that I saw when I was growing up when I looked in hairdressers journal was that there were so many opportunities that I didn't have to just work in that small town I could go somewhere else I could diverge and you know do all sorts of things and it's an amazing career that you can have in hairdressing and it's also a multi-billion pound industry we bring a lot of revenue in and employing a huge number of people yes you know we employ as an industry a huge number of people touch millions of people's lives on a daily basis and the only thing that limits you in hairdressing is your own ambition I think you know if you're willing to learn and put the hours into the training and learning and learning and keep learning you can go as far as you want to Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And I think that there are loads of shining examples out there of people that have really put the time in and have done incredibly well. It's really cool. It's a great industry. I love it. How do you spot talent? There's a question for you, hey? Controversial. How do we spot talent? There are so many different ways, particularly now that you can see talent, because people have become their own brands on Instagram. And whilst I think that is a fantastic outlet, I think there also is a cautionary note to that, because we all know that images, etc., can be manipulated on Instagram. So we don't want to set unrealistic, unrealistic expectations for clients. And equally you need to be true to yourself about what you're doing you know I much prefer unretouched work than massively retouched work I don't like it when it doesn't look natural Um, and I think there are lots of opportunities for hairdressers to show their talent and show their skill whether it's through social media it's entering live competitions you know we have live competitions that run at salon or entering awards and I think Using competition and awards, yes, of course, it's about the winning. Nobody enters to come second. That's not in our nature. But if you can use it to determine what you do well and improve upon it. So, you know, for example, the the business awards, people often use putting those um, portfolios together as a real benchmark for the successes they've had in their business and where they've done great and celebrating that, but also where they can improve and what they need to do better. Um, And I think it's listening to the feedback people give you. And, and taking it on board in a positive way, you know, feedback. I always say you can you can say no to people, but say it in a way that doesn't feel bad. You, you need to be able to deliver feedback positively so that people can learn from it. Yes, I mean, there's no need to be mean, is there, to anyone at all? I thought that when when I've put competitions together, it is really amazing when you look at the story that you've shown and there are years when that message is strong and I think yes that's I could enter that and then there are years when the message isn't so strong and I'm like why hasn't that message been strong so there are you know it's a great experience to to build those things now can people send pictures in to HJ of their work 
Absolutely. And by all means, email any of the team, email me directly. So it's jane at hji.co.uk and it's just got a Y in the Jane. Um, we often get collections from all around the world and we will always look at them and try and either publish them in print or publish them in the online gallery. Um, we, we love to see work coming in from everybody and at no matter at what level, Jack, it's really important that everybody feels they can contribute. Yes, absolutely. This is what I, this is what I was looking for in the message. That's great. Now, if I was going to send a picture in to you and I wanted you to take notice of the picture, what are the things that say... I don't have a big budget, you know, for this. Um, and lots of salons don't have big budgets for these shoots and things. What what tips and tricks have you got for people? I think when you're entering awards, it's about being true to yourself, regardless of the budget. I think when people shoot to, to win because they try and replicate something somebody else has done, unless you can do it better than that person, my advice is be original and be yourself and reflect yes. your own brand because actually win or lose, you want to have a collection of photographs that you can share on your own social media, in your own marketing that reflects who you are and what you do. Um, and to do that, you have to be honest about who you are and the kind of work you produce. Um, you know, it's it's also about focusing on the hair. I think sometimes it's easy to get carried away with, you know, backgrounds and lots of styling and, and, and retouching. We've touched on that already. Actually, it's about the skill and the work of the stylist and the colour technician. Um, and for example, for the British Hairdressing Awards, any of the judges will support. We are so strict in the briefing about checking the before pictures, what's been retouched, what hasn't, and, and marking that appropriately. Because actually, we don't, we want true talent, which is about creating an image with the less retouching. I don't mind if the skin's retouched and the, the background, but not the hair. You should be able to deliver the hair without the retouch. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I learned early on, my, one of my first ones I did, and there was no budget at all, so I sort of collabed with some people, and it was just to keep it as simple, as simple as possible and just literally the hair. And we just had the girl in a boob tube because we only really wanted sort of from the shoulders up anyway. So that cost nothing. And a, a makeup artist, you know. And, and street, um, casting, that... street casting models. You know, there is yes. nothing wrong with street casting. We've had many a collection win at the Hairdressing Awards that the models have been street cast. That, as you say, styling has been kept to a minimum. And actually, there are great up-and-coming photographers, so why not partner with them? They need work for a portfolio. You need images for your portfolio. Yeah. There, are ways, there are ways to do it. And, you know, I think passionately, the shoot belongs to the hairdresser, not the photographer. That's a good one, isn't it? That's Yeah, sometimes I think we can get a little bit frightened of the photographer when really it's like... So, the photographer has a great eye, but he's got to capture your eye, your vision. The shoot belongs to the hairstylist, not the photographer or anybody else. It's the hairstylist's vision that, that is what should be the end result of the shoot. And I think it's important that the hairdresser, whilst they take advice from the photographer, it is their shoot and their image that they want to portray. And it needs to reflect them and their brand. For a story, yeah. what do you look for in a story? Because there are, we've talked on this podcast to the Elle, beauty, digital beauty editor. It was fascinating how she looks at hair. Yeah. What, are you, what are you looking for in a story from a hairdresser? So for any part of the magazine, do you mean, or specifically for fashion? No, no, no. For any part of the magazine, you know, a hair story, it could be any kind of story, couldn't it, really? So 
Yeah, of course. So anything that's original, innovative, um, and actually we want to hear from everybody because, you know, the industry is all about supporting each other and being able to share good news of whether it's stylist winning competitions or in salon competitions, um, the work they're doing in communities, all those kind of things stimulate other salons and stylists to start doing the same thing and actually you know if you take one nugget from one story and you grow it into something different you you it's at least sparked the conversation and the thought process so you know obviously we get new product information sent in whether that's tools products equipment color whatever and that's all really really important because it's our job i see it at the kind of the heart of the community to be sharing that information with our readers yes um but from a hairdresser and a salon owner or a freelance perspective the more they can send us the more we'll use and the more they can build a relationship with us the more we can think actually it would be really good to use them in a story about color or in a retailing story or a training story because it's again about making it relevant so it's about building a relationship with with you as well so for those of you out there that thought that maybe that you wouldn't get covered if you've got a great story or an interesting story or a great social story send them in absolutely absolutely but, but you'd be amazed, Jack, at the people that say, oh, I didn't send it because I didn't think you'd be interested. And I'm like, oh, no, it's a brilliant bit of news. Please send it. We're, you know, very approachable. And the team, want, me and the team, want to hear from everybody. I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? Everyone seems to get held back by their own fear that they're not somehow good enough when if they just sort of took that leap of faith and said, look, this is what I'm doing. And then if it's a yes, great. If it's a no, try again. But equally, we wouldn't just say no. We would come back with some feedback and say, look, well, we can't do this because, but could we talk to you about this? It's about building, yeah. you know, this industry is built on relationships. Certainly is. And, you know, that from wherever and whoever, it doesn't matter. And the more we can build on those relationships and the more people that are talking to us, I mean, that's one thing where social media has been fantastic because actually I think people, some people are more comfortable messaging us on Instagram or my my own Instagram page or Facebook page. And I really don't mind that. It doesn't have, you know, obviously we've got the HJ channels, but they can do it direct and we will always respond to people. That's great. That's great for everyone to know as well, I think. Um, I wanted to talk to you. I've got so much to talk to you about. (laughs) Not enough time, as always. I wanted to talk to you about Salon International. Yeah. How has, so Salon International last year for me was, I think, the most immersive that Mm -hmm. I'd been to. It seemed there was more education on the stands there was so much going on it was it was the fabulous weekend thank you how's it evolved for you where do you think you're taking it I think it is about the education and inspiration piece it's about making hairdressing and the kind of key educators and sharing that with as many people as possible and you know again online is a fantastic tool but you can't replace face to face no Um, you can't I agree with you on that People want to see, touch, learn, try, feel, talk, question, you know, and that's what we're trying to do with Salon as we continually involve the the actual event is to make sure that it offers that to everybody. So for this year, um, what we're going to introduce alongside all the other feature areas that we have, like the gallery and the stages, um, we're putting a colour stage in. So actually there'll be an open prep area. So obviously, Jack, we will be calling you to say, would you please participate on the colour stage? <laughs> and an open, an open prep area 
where people can see you working, what colours you're applying, why you're applying them, sectioning techniques. And then there's a stage where the looks will be finished and styled and talk through why the tones were chosen, etc. But again, it's about adapting to and we research the audience year in year out saying what do you like what don't you like what do you want more of what do you want less of um and color 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 obviously comes up every time so we're having a dedicated color stage with this open prep area which i think will really kind of be submersive it's it's really immersive isn't it because one of the things i do like is that there are no big stages except for the shows but the rest of it they're all just little platforms so that people can see over the person in front of them and see you so you you feel quite in the midst of it and so obviously this color stage is going to be really cool because people will be able to obviously talk why are you doing that what's going on so it's in fact it's like a it's like a classroom isn't it really yeah, it's almost like a look and learn, really. Yes. Um, we want people to, the visitors and the stylists and colourists that attend to be able to talk to people like you and say, and ask advice. You know, they might come and say, look, I always have a problem with this. Can you just give me a tip on how, what am I doing wrong? What, is my sectioning not right? Yeah. Is my mix wrong? You know, they, but actually giving them access to that is something that they've just not had had as much of. And I think it's really important that we do it. No, it's golden. That's absolutely golden, I think. Nice one. Well done. Clever. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, that's still going ahead as we stand at the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We're talking to the venue daily. (laughs) We're all desperate to get out there. I know that it's going to be a really, if, once we all get out, once, not if, there are so many things going on this fall and Christmas. It's going to be super busy and it's going to be so great to see everyone, isn't it? It's going to be really nice. Yeah, we think it will be a good it will be you know we will obviously follow all the advice that's given and you know to to ensure that everything is done appropriately but i think you're right people are just hairdressers are a social bunch aren't we aren't we just <laughs> <laughs>
I wanted to ask you, Jane, more questions, of course, more and more. I wanted to ask you about HJ Live. So Salon International is the largest, one of the largest shows, isn't it, really? It's the largest one in the UK, for sure. And it has an international day on the Saturday where people fly in from all over the world to it. That's the kind of credentials that it has. Where's HJ Live sit? Okay, I suppose Salon International, you're right, they were historically how the days fell, but that has actually changed and we are seeing more and more salon owners come on a, right. on a Saturday. Um, international is huge. I mean, there are countries that appear on our research that I have to look up because I'm no clue where they well, you are. you see them all walking around um, with the, the sticks with the names on, don't you, and the <laughs> flags and everything. I mean, there's just thousands of people. Absolutely. And kind of 20% of the audience roughly comes from overseas and they do tend to come and stay Saturday, Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because if you're flying that far, why would you yes. not? Um, and I think... You know, we've seen a decline in students in the industry, not just at, at the show, in the industry per se. So, um, you know, the Sunday and the Monday are undoubtedly the full tilt, busy days. You would have seen it working on the Schwarzkopf yes. stands last year. I mean, it's just busy, busy, busy. Um, and I think Salon is very much the, sh- the big show with the big shows in the live theatre and the seminars. Um, HJ Live was born because we... we um, the business moved with the professional beauty group um, and actually they were hosting market and world-leading exhibitions in beauty in professional beauty industry um, and had a lot of hairdressers attending those because there is that crossover of hair and beauty salons so when we joined forces um, we we kind of decided that we would do a more regional localized educational show which was what HJ Live was born out of um, so it is very much about the stages and the teams um, and education, as and is clearly on a, on a on a smaller scale. Yes, but, it's in, um, but visitors it's in the north as well as London, though, isn't it? It's in Manchester as well, yeah. And in Ireland, in Dublin. So we have launched for this November um, a hair and beauty um, exhibition at the uh, um, at City West, just outside Dublin, in November. Right. Um, and alongside that, we'll also run awards, um, hair and beauty awards that will have the same rigour attached to them as as the UK awards are known and recognised for. So um, because for us, it's very important that we maintain that that judging and the autonomy and the independence and all those things with whatever market we're working in. So, yeah, the 8th and 9th of November, we're actually doing um, there is a beauty show already that we were running in Ireland with some hair. But this this is now very much a hair and beauty kind of community weekend. That's brilliant. You'll be exhausted, I'm sure. Absolutely exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Finally, uh, before finally, I wanted to talk to you about social media and the impact you feel it's had on the hairdressing industry. Social media has had a massive impact on this industry because with platforms like Instagram, for an industry that is so image-led, Instagram just lends itself perfectly to, to the industry and Facebook for the community. Um, it's, as I said earlier, I think it's about being true to who you are, your brand and where you're at in your career on Instagram um, and being honest about what's achievable, what's not achievable, so that we don't raise expectations and then disappoint clients. My my view is you should always delight your clients rather than over, you know, but absolutely under promise and over deliver as opposed to over promise and under deliver. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, and you know it is it has enabled the hairdressing industry to really explode and 
share what they're fantastic at. And I think that's a hugely positive, hugely positive thing. Um, and allowed every hairdresser a platform, which is fantastic. And, and actually, if you think of some of the talent that's been born of that, that we might not have seen for whatever reason, I think that's a great, a great thing. Yes, I, I mean, you know, I love social anyway. And, uh, but I do think that people, if you're not on it, you need to get on it and you just need to, I always say it, you just need to find your voice and you need to make some mistakes and it's all okay, but it's a great free platform, totally. And you need to be original, don't you? Yes, absolutely. You do need to be original, but there's only so, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because original doesn't have to be different. You just have to input your take, your personal taste, your take on something. You know, we talked to a guy the other week. And he, he's known for cutting bobs and he just does little snippets of videos and he's done so amazingly well on it. It's, it's fascinating. It's just about being honest, isn't it? Yeah, I think really honest. And the, of course, this moment in time, we, all the difficulties that we're going through, it's a great time to get on Instagram and start working on it. I know that you've been really busy, you guys, with COVID-19 because you've been doing some incredible lives. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, which has been really cool. And I've been able to see people that I don't only see at events or people I haven't had an opportunity to watch. That's been great. It's been really busy in that sense. What advice, what thoughts do you have going forward for us? Lessons learned in this. I think what's been lovely and genuinely heartwarming to see is how the industry's come together as a community. Um, salon owners supporting salon owners, you know, stylists, colorists, everybody willing to share and talk and being really really honest about how it's impacted them and you know sharing business advice um i think also hairdressers have managed to keep morale up by putting fun into some stuff i think you know there's been some great things shared that actually you know this is a tough time people are going through they're worried about their businesses yes. they're worried about their families they're worried about their teams they're worried about their clients you know and it, it there is nobody that escapes this, regardless of what industry, what level, doesn't matter where you are or who you are, everyone is affected by this. Absolutely. And so that almost creates a community. For me, what I hope we take out of it is that that kindness continues um, and that people are kind and respectful to each other and just maybe pause and think before they make a comment. Or And I think that has genuinely happened. I think... Um, I think it just made people realign what's important. Now, whether that will last post-COVID-19, who, know, who, who knows? None of us know. Um, I think as salons, I hope that, and, and anyone working in the industry, you know, your clients are desperate to get back to see you. So take it from someone who is a client. I am desperate to get back in the salon. Um, you know, it will be my top thing to do as soon as this is allowed. Yes. Um, and I'm not the only one. That goes for the majority. There's been some research done in other countries, I know, where people, they're asking people, what are the top three things you're going to do when you are allowed out? Going to the salon is right yeah, up there. Absolutely. Um, but I think we might have to look at how, how salons work initially. Um, and there will be people who will be nervous, anxious about the post-lockdown and what that looks like. Um, and it's about being sensible, isn't it? And just adhering to what we're told to do. Um, but managing it so that you can still run your businesses, run and operate in a way that's functional. But I think the, the industry is resourceful and creative and we'll find a way through this. I agree with you, Joan. I think we will find a way through it. It will look different. 
But I also think that if businesses and hairdressers, whether you're a one person or, you know, you're 20 people, if you're not planning now for what it might look like, it's dangerous. I agree. They, you have to be using this time to think about what you're going to do. And also, maybe, as we said earlier, the things that you're doing that you probably don't need to do and focus on the things yeah. that you do need to do. I mean, I would imagine, you know, if I had a salon, I would be absolutely trying to talk to my customers, connect with them, talk to my clients. You know, you'll know better than most people who are your vulnerable clients. Do they need support? Do they need help? Yes. You know, even, do you know what I mean? You, know, you will know as the, the, the salons are the heartbeat of the high street. So they are more likely to know who the vulnerable people are that need more support and assistance during this time than, than anybody. Absolutely. I mean, I know lots of hairdressers, though, who have definitely been checking in with their clients, yeah. you know, their vulnerable clients, making sure they're OK. Um, but we have always been like that in this industry, I think. So, And that's what makes this industry so special, Jack, is because it's that relationship between stylist and client, colourist and client, that is like no other, isn't it? Like I mean, no other. They say <clears throat> it is like genuinely like no other. You share more with that, that, that in that relationship than you probably do in any other. Absolutely. And there aren't many industries where you actually physically get to touch someone and make a difference in their life in that sort of that kind of way that we do and I don't think a box colour can replace that so that's I'm not I'm not fearful of that yeah I'd like to thank you so much for coming on today Jane Lewis or great chats I can't wait to see you in the flesh I know that you'll have your roots done by the time I see you I'll have mine done <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> definitely definitely thank you take care thank you. so I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolour.com. Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R.com.